This is We Are Netflix, Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix. Storytelling is all about big adventures and taking big risks and trying new things. In the case of interactive storytelling, we can see a long history of telling these kinds of stories. And we can see creators wanting to tell these stories and consumers wanting to experience these, these stories, but where the technology was never quite ready. And so this seemed like an opportunity for us to take a big swing at something that we had reasonable confidence that consumers would be excited about and creators would be excited about. And staying true to ourselves of being experimental and trying new things. The idea of interactive movies and TV shows has been around for a long time. Decades, actually. But it never really caught on because there was no way to deliver a great interactive experience to mass audiences using traditional platforms. In recent years, that's all changed. With the rise of streaming and smart digital devices, a world of interactive possibilities has opened up. At Netflix, we've been exploring those possibilities with a growing number of interactive titles released in the last few years, including Puss in Book, Bandersnatch, You vs. Wild, and coming soon, an interactive movie for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I'm Lyle Troxell, and on this episode of We Are Netflix, we'll get an inside look at interactive storytelling at Netflix. We'll focus on one particular production, Bandersnatch, an interactive episode of our popular series, Black Mirror. I spoke to two people who helped make it happen. Andy Wheel is Netflix Vice President of Original Series, and Carla Engelbrecht is Director of Product Innovation. Together, they helped lead the creation of Bandersnatch. I spoke with Andy and Carla about how the production came together and the many challenges for our creative and product teams. I started by asking Carla why Netflix decided to make the leap into interactive storytelling. I mean, when I came into Netflix in general, I came from a games background, a product development background, and a systems thinking kind of space. And I look at something like Netflix and we start thinking about, well, all the things that Netflix is great at, at um, we're internet TV. We can do more than you can do on linear television. So we can release all episodes at once and they can be the length of time that they need to be to tell the story. And then we have great personalized recommendations and we also have this incredible ecosystem of devices that are all fundamentally interactive. And so looking at that meant, well, we can tell other kinds of stories. And in our DNA, we are storytellers. And so it was this opportunity to take the technology that we develop and the incredible storytellers that we work with and tell a type of story that has been around for a long time in the notion of, of nonlinear stories. Uh, creators have been telling them. Consumers have been enjoying them. And so we could do that and mainstream a style of storytelling in uh, a way that had never been done before. What do you mean by mainstream? I mean, because this kind of content we're talking about today, it's existed a long time in different forms. So when you say mainstream, what do you what do you mean by that? So when we launched Black Mirror Mandersnatch, it launched globally day and date on more than a thousand devices in twenty eight different languages. When you say device, you mean specific type, like an iPad and a so, TV yep, fr- from Samsung and a TV from another company. Exactly, smart TVs, game consoles, iOS, iPads, iPhones, Android, desktop computers, everything. Wow. Right, where normally it would be, oh, you need your PlayStation or you need your Mac or you need this. And so that we had that broad of device coverage meant nearly every member of Netflix in the world had access suddenly to play these kinds of stories. And that's different. That's different. No one has no one has done that before. And we launched it globally as well. We launched it globally. 
Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Okay, well, let's talk a bit about, Andy, let's, let's have you describe what Bandersnatch is. We're going to be talking a lot about interactive, and it's a shortcut, but talking about how Bandersnatch feels as a person watching it and experiencing. What is it? Bandersnatch is an uh, interactive film from Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones, uh, and David Slade directed it. It's an episode of Black Mirror, but I do think it's a standalone piece of interactive filmmaking that allows you to choose basically what happens to the protagonist and and make decisions on his behalf. And it changes the story as you go. So Uh, it's not a passive watching experience. No. It's an engaged watching experience. Yes. Describe Black Mirror for us. Uh, Black Mirror is an anthology series that ran on um, Channel 4 for two years before two years and a special before coming to Netflix in 2016 I believe was the first season of Black Mirror on Netflix original original we're in season five now and Bandersnatch was part of that series and it's from as I mentioned Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones uh, who are the creator and showrunners of the series and they're different films uh, that are just connected through thematics of technology that's why it's an anthology rather than episodic thing so they all have a theme that's kind of future dystopian almost or not edge even, on the edge. Just not really kind of just having to do with technology and and our in terms of people's relationship with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Charlie and Annabelle are across every episode and encourage directors uh, and, and collaborators to really make the episodes their own. And they're two of the best writer-producers I've ever worked with. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. Okay, so... What you're telling me is that as a viewer, you get to, for these interactive titles, you get to make choices for the protagonist, which means that there's a some kind of way to do that. And also, we have to film a lot of stuff, I'm <laughs> assuming. So we're going to talk a bit about that process of creating in that space. And, and the reason why both of you are here is because it's actually a collaboration. You, you have to have both at the same time. When Brooker came and said, I wanted, how, how do you decide that <laughs> Black Mirror was going to do an episode or a film with us in Interactive? How'd that happen? So in uh, May, June of 2017, we were getting ready to launch our first interactive title, Puss in Book. I know right. that one. Right? We worked on exactly. that. Exactly, yeah, you did. Fun. So you might remember me being very excited when uh, I came back one day and it was like, Andy Wheel has said it's time to meet with Charlie and Annabelle. And we had been, for a couple of months, I'd been pinging Andy and we'd been saying like, oh, you know, for our first adult interactive, it would be amazing to work with the Black Mirror franchise. And Andy kept saying, they're not ready yet. They're working on season four, I think, at the time. We were like, not not quite yet. And all it's a lot sudden, of work to do a season of films. It's a, it's a and, lot yeah. of films. And we had just uh, probably finished like USS Callister, which was oh, one of our most episode. ambitious episodes ever made. And Why? Uh, Wait, why was that the most ambitious? Because it was humongous. It was so, with spaceships and dogfights. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, is, it was really hard. I think it's the first in season four. Yeah. And it's the Star Trek-y themed one, yes. which is enough. But go watch it if you like that. You'll love it. Okay, yes. so, that, so we're, they're busy. Right. Yeah. So they're super busy. We're getting ready to launch Puss in Book. And we're feeling really good about it. And so Andy was, was like, all right, we're ready. So I think it was May of 17, maybe June that we all convened in a conference room here in L.A. and met with Charlie and Annabelle. Do you want to say which conference room it was? Which conference room were we in? San Junipero. Oh, San Junipero. Conference room. Another Black (laughs) Black Mirror reference. (laughs) An amazing episode. So, yes, there we are in San Junipero, and we present to Charlie and Annabelle what we can do in terms of the technology, what's available to us. Did you show them Puss in Book then? We did. Okay. Yep. We had demos for them to see it on both TV and iOS. And, and Puss in Book, of course, is, is a, an interactive film of the DreamWorks series Puss and Boots. 
and it's great. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Again, one of these branching titles where you get to decide where it's going to go. Okay, so you showed them that. So we showed them that. Showed them both that. And Andy, how did they respond? This is interesting. Let us think on it. And Charlie and Annabelle openly have said that they left the meeting and said, well, that's not for us. We'll never do anything like that. But then they came back a few weeks later and pitched one idea that was kind of a retread of an episode they had done before. And, and I think we politely said, like, let's do a new idea. What, what episode was it? I, I don't want to say. Right? Well, they're very happy with what they've created. So I think that's a good thing that the correct thing happened. So yes. is that kind of one of your jobs is to go, nah. Yes, but it has. we have to be very considerate and thoughtful about how we say nah. Yeah. And with Turn Annabelle, we rarely do. We rare, you know, their instincts are so spot on um, and they're such great partners and collaborators. We rarely tell them no. But I'm assuming your no was more of this is why. Yes. Yeah. And a thoughtful like, okay. hey, think of something new. If something new comes up, let's talk. And then a couple of weeks after that, Charlie and Annabelle both came back. And he, I think he had the outline at that point. Where and and usually Annabelle says like oh he's on to, we're on to something hmm. we're on to something and then a few weeks later in our inbox shows up a eight page treatment called Bandersnatch. Okay, I think that we're probably going to touch on spoiler alerts because I think talking about what Bandersnatch is is kind of important to what the medium is in some ways. It's kind of a self reflective meme. So here's a spoiler alert warning and. Carla, you assure me that most people can actually watch this, right? Yes. Yeah, Netflix account, you can see this. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so we're not leaving anybody out. All right. What was that pitch? What that first pitch sound like, that, that multi-page treatment? I mean, as in most things that come from Charlie and Annabelle via Black Mirror, what you watch on Netflix is so close to what they pitched. It was like an eight-page kind of overview of the story with some sample choices and describing kind of the tone and the feeling. It was the it was crazy. It was the show. It was the the what we ended up getting. It was very easy to envision what he was thinking, which was amazing, especially now as we're like working on others. That doesn't always happen at the sure. beginning. Yeah. So Carla, I'm assuming relatively quickly you heard that treatment too. And you could see that in our system. You could see doing what he was suggesting, what they were suggesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh Andy texted me, I think, almost immediately when it came in and was like, Heads up, this is coming and it looks great. And we all reviewed it together because one of the the key things of this is that he can't launch the content unless we're doing the technology. And we can do all the technology we want, but if we don't have the content to put into it, it doesn't work at the end of the day. So we were very clear of like everybody's got to be comfortable with this and what we're saying we're going to do here. And the titles that we were just launching and the titles we were working on were all animated pieces, which have a very different way of creating content for this kind of title work. So this was their first live action. So it was going to be hard from the filming perspective as well. Yes, there was a lot we didn't know. Describe the outline. Um, So the outline for Bandersnatch was different probably than any other interactive outline we've ever done or will ever do because there was no software at Netflix for an interactive outline or script. I think even, you know, to set the stage of, of going into that, all of the projects we had done so far were very simple. They had, you know, maybe... 50 to 60 minutes of animation in them. The map you could draw on paper. You could understand how the segments link together. But what Charlie was was proposing was much more complex and had a lot of moving pieces to it that drawing on a piece of paper was just not going to cut it for our purposes. I don't want to get too technical at this, but when you say that it's pretty simple, you can draw on a map, like a normal film, you draw a straight line and say, this is the movie. You start in the beginning, here's the climax of Act 2, and then go on, and that's what it is. But for these titles, they change. 
And so on a map, one of our simpler shows, what would it what would it look like? So it, like Puss in Book basically looked like a tuning fork. You know, it had some very simple choices that came back to kind of a main through thread. Okay. And then it had took two big branches, and depending on which of those branches you chose, you saw very different stories. And so that's a fairly common but simple model, whereas what Charlie was proposing was going to probably look like a pile of spaghetti if I tried to draw it on paper. So that's what you mean by the pitch is something that you couldn't really think about without software? What, what, the well, this, well, yeah, the outline. Charlie, um, who comes from, he has a lot of knowledge of video games and, and definitely more technical of a, of a writer than a lot of people we work with, came up with using a software, an open source software called Twine, to write his outline. He sent to us very detailed instructions of how to open it in Chrome and how to kind of read it and make the choices. And it worked. So instead yeah. of a script, it was almost an application? It was. And we at the same time had started the process of building our internal tool that ultimately took the place of Twine uh, called Branch Manager. But we needed both things to be moving in parallel. So luckily there was off-the-shelf software that we could use to get him rolling while we waited for our stuff to come online. So why is it complicated? What what makes it a complicated thing? Because... Um, and this should be easy because it's sure. audio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm asking you to do something really challenging. No, no, I, no. I why is it, it's complicated because um, when you read a traditional script or an outline, you read it in linear order, one, two, three, four, five, six pages. Uh, when you're reading a branching narrative outline or script you're jumping all over the place. There's not one way to read it. Each time you do, it's in different order. It's a different way. So uh, having Twine and now Branch Manager, it just makes the process seamless for uh, executives and actors and producers and directors to follow along and understand how the story is supposed to flow. And they're literally playing the script. We can do it with word-based documents, and so they just get to read through and play it and see what it would feel like from that flow. So what's Branch Manager? Branch Manager is internal software that we built to help manage the the production process of, of these. And it's a pre-visualization tool, basically, where they design the outline, so the whole flow of the map, of the, the world, of the story. They then uh, start to integrate the script itself into it, eventually can fill in uh, video. So whether it's animatics or rough cuts or the fine cuts, can fill in that video. And it's a tool that allows all of us to then play the story. And so we can actually see with with the choices embedded into it, how it will feel. And it's an incredible help for continuity purposes, for just getting a feel of the pacing. Because it used to be when we would look at these titles, we'd have a map open, we'd have the script docs open, we'd have a folder open of all of the different segments, and then we'd have a map. Plus, we'd have our notes document open. Right? So you needed a giant monitor to be able to manage all of this stuff. And you'd watch segment one, and then it would be like, okay, I'm checking my map. Do I go to two or four? Oh, I'm going to four. And, and then, then you, you start that, that video, video file. And, and you start <laughs> that video, and you're trying to make your notes. And so you just lose track. And we had this, you know, there was one note, like in Puss in Book, where there were two video segments coming together to the same place, depending on where you'd gone previously. And in one, Puss was flying in from the right. And in the other one, he was flying in from the left. And then in the, the video that they both landed in, he was coming from the right. So one of them was wrong. And the continuity would have been a mess right. had we not caught that. But it was really hard to catch those things in the early days. Branch Manager then allows all of us to be able to operate on that same page. It sounds similar to how animation movies are done, where you have a whole room of storyboards and you talk about the story. Then you might move the storyboards in the creation process to decide how it flows. So it's that kind of thing, but actually slowly getting closer and closer to the final product, which is still 
like that, where yes. you get to choose which way it happens. Yeah, and we have a lot of teams who start actually with sticky notes and string and thumbtacks on a wall to just start visualizing things as well. Okay, so when the Bandersnatch episode is being worked on, they had their own piece of software, and you're building out Branch Manager, and we don't have that. Why were you building Branch Manager if there was already a piece of software? What else is it doing that's not about the writing process? Twine is really is an interactive fiction tool for text-based adventures. So it was great for the scripting process, but as soon as we got to video, we could no longer use Twine. There literally was nothing yeah. that existed that would allow us to do that. Additionally, what we have embedded into it is all of the, the, the choice data that helps us manage the story itself. And in particular, Bandersnatch introduced a new feature that we refer to as state tracking, or it's the ability to remember choices. So, for example, in Bandersnatch early on, uh, Stefan is seeing, this is one of the spoiler moments, uh, Stefan is seeing his therapist and he has a choice of whether or not he talks about his mom. Right, which is one of my favorite choices because nobody ever wants to be asked, do you want to talk about your mom from a therapist? And depending on the answer to that, it actually changes content that's available later in the show. Not right then. Not but right later. then. Later. And so there's a lot of these moments in Bandersnatch where depending on something you do earlier impacts later. The Sugar Puffs Frosties cereal choice is a great it's example. The very of first it. choice. Very of the first show. choice. Sugar Puffs or Frosties. What does he eat for breakfast? And it pays off that you see him eat for breakfast. But then later, it also, when he goes to watch the Jerome F. Davies documentary, the commercial plays for the cereal that you chose. So it's a system for remembering these things. Bandersnatch gets complex enough in, in all of these variables that, again, going back to the, like, we couldn't map that out on paper. We needed uh, a spreadsheet. We needed technology to start to intervene on our behalf in order to be able to then ingest this into Netflix and be able to display it. So not only did this tool become critical for our creators in managing how they tell the story or, or how they create the story, but it became important for our engineers for how they ultimately bring the content into the service to display to our members. So you work through these two systems and are slowly building them out, got the, this complicated story maps happening with state, what do you call it, state what? State tracking. State tracking. And eventually you're at this point where it's like it, it's time to cast this and have some people actually film it. Mm -hmm. What's that process like? I mean, were the actors interested in it? Like, what was that whole process like? So we hired a director, David Slade, who had done Metalhead, which was an earlier Black Mirror film. And uh, he was game for it. He totally got the idea and the mission and and really dove in along with our producer, uh, Russell McLean, who also had worked on Metalhead and was a visual effects supervisor. Uh, for many years. And they kind of really guided the process along with Charlie and Annabelle of getting this thing up on its feet. And they hired amazing actors like Finn Whitehead and uh, Asim Chaudhry, who, who fill out these roles and were totally game. And I remember I went to set. Did you go to yeah, set? Yeah, I went to set. Yep. We didn't go together. No, I went shortly after you. And I love talking to the actors because they, they looked at me like, this is completely nuts, right? Yeah, it's nuts, but it's going to work. It's going to work. There was a lot of everyone looking at each other like, it's going to work, right? Well, they had all these interesting stories that I know David was saying of, uh, like, there's the moment where Stefan, which was played by Finn. Had... Spoiler alerts. Oh, yes. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> Just, we're yes, doing again. that. Okay, yep, it's done. Yep, we're, we're finished. Yep. Go watch the show first. <laughs> right? Sorry, go on. Yes. <laughs> there was this moment where the choice for the viewer is whether Stefan should bite his nails or pull his earlobe. And so it required Finn to record the same scene with slightly different moments. 
So in that character, yeah. too, is actually starting to grow awareness that there are choices being made for him. Sometimes when he does these things, he doesn't necessarily want to. And you kind of see that great acting, of course, yeah. that definitely adds to it. So you're saying that that was something that had to always be reminded by the director. Yeah, they had to help communicate to them, here's what you know in this moment. And and so it was this new... And that would happen normally in the arc of recording anything, right? The character grows and develops. But now it would be the exact same scene performed slightly differently based on what else had changed. And so a lot of the stories were just about, you know, David Slade having to give context to the actors of like, okay, now it's this. The story supervisor having to navigate, do we have all the variations that we need to have of this moment? What is it on set when someone's paying attention to my glasses moved or not? What's that called? Oh, like continuity. continuity. Script supervisor w- does was that. Was that being done for this? Yes. But cross-screen, cross-scene continuity that's different depending? Yes. And <laughs> uh, uh, this script supervisor, I mean, what Russell says is make sure you have a great script supervisor because unlike most productions where, you know, it's linear, you're telling one story. Take a Polaroid, you're done. Uh, yeah. This is so complicated. And our script supervisor, who was amazing, um, and, and and the Kimmy um, uh, special as well, the script supervisor was amazing. It's you, That person is so, so important. Do you, do you, was there, were there problems with filming? I don't, think there were any problems um we we i think the first day was really hard i remember david saying that the first day it was hard to manage kind of doing what carla talked about of knowing what kind of timeline you're in mm-hmm. but then i think everyone just started to trust david and trust each other and and they were off and running how long is it i mean how much i mean if we have all these different ways of going through it that means there's a lot of film well in terms of original content, original kind of footage, there's about two and a half hours of footage. So a long film. Right. Once it's all assembled and there's segments that are duplicated for various reasons and whatnot, the final full viewable is about five hours long that is on oh. the service. But no viewer is ever going to see all of that. A lot of that is there for various technical reasons to help manage all of the state tracking and whatnot. Like, what does it feel like to have this piece out there that it's not like everybody has a different experience with it? As filmmakers, what do you feel about it? It was amazing. It did exactly what we wanted, which was everyone had a singular experience and talked to someone they knew or went on social and and said, oh, my God, did you see this? Did you see that? Did you make it to this branch? Did you see X? Which is how we designed it. And the fact that people did it was so gratifying. Yeah. We've often talked about one of the reasons to do this is that it it brings you as a viewer closer in, into the story and gives you agency in the story. And so hearing even people who are like, well, in my story, this happened. Did you see this ending? This was my ending. This was the ending that I loved most. Right? Those kinds of comments, like they yeah. really took ownership and they had deep empathy for Stefan. And some of the things we heard from viewers where they're just like, wants Stefan to get the job and ship the game, you know, where they were just so invested in his success. Five, five out of five, please. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, it did do well, right? Primetime Emmy uh, winner in 2019, lots of other wins and nominations. So high success rate in the sense like we're proud of that and people love it. So fantastic, uh, right? Yes. Um, I think we can rewind, though, before it came out during the editing process, it was tireless on behalf of Charlie and Annabelle. I think they did about 20 full cuts before we even saw it. What's a cut? 
that's where they make all of the choices in editorial. Choose this scene, goes here, that scene goes there, this take, that take. So like you hear uh, a film came out and then there's a director's cut later that's a different version. It's a different cut. Okay. So they did 20 cuts before it got to us. (laughs) Of all this complexity. Of all this complexity. And then I think we locked at 110 cuts. Whoa. Yeah, Wait, I've never did, worked on anything why like did, that. Why did it go after the? If they did twenty cuts, why did it go up to one hundred and ten? What happened, Carla? <laughs> so sometimes, so this was all at this point. It was all being delivered in Branch Manager too, which was fascinating. Um, brand new the, software. Brand new software, <laughs> and so sometimes there was new cuts because there was a bug. Quite frankly, okay. Sometimes there was new cuts because they caught a bug on their side where, like, the logic of the story flow was Broke. was broken, and so they were fixing those things because we're all. Uh, my favorite metaphor is we're all building the plane as we fly it at this point. Um, and then there was a lot of nuancing and tinkering. So once it started to take shape, uh, I think part of what makes Charlie and Annabelle brilliant as filmmakers, though, is they're searching for that perfect version. And so they kept tinkering, and it was in part because they could use Branch Manager to play it. They could start so seeing it So they would it play more. it, and they would see how it was feeling. Right. And they were they were noodling with things. So it would come back, and sometimes it was very small edits, and sometimes it was like chunk was just gone kind of thing yeah it was all about pacing and making sure that you had a great experience when you watched it and you know we on a normal episode of black mirror we do two three rounds of notes and uncuts and this was a lot more not because it needed it but just because we were uh, it was a new form for everyone and a new format and, and traditionally, when you're f- editing film, um, you're using Avid or some other editing suite like that, where you sit down and you go through it, the director goes through it, and you watch it, you're like, yeah, this is good, let's send it off. That couldn't happen, right? So they were editing it, and then they'd have to send it to engineers? Like, how would you they play would, it? So they actually had, they had software on site as well, and they had one of uh, one of their uh, video engineers became incredibly proficient in Branch ah, Manager. Okay. And so they would finish editing it and then they would import it into Branch Manager. So the editor was also using Branch Manager yeah. to make it work. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> and that's where Russell McLean, uh, who was the producer of the film, was essential because he knew Branch Manager very well and and was in the edit bay with Charlie Annabelle really kind of just making sure that the thing was on rails all the yeah. time. And he did that all the way to the end of the process, which he sat in the, <laughs> I think he sat in the mix for m- multiple days. Yeah. And uh, we would because all, it was a much longer mix than we expected. Yeah. And Russell would refer to segments by like ID name. So he would be like, oh, without even looking, you know, we'd look at something and be like, oh, that segment 65F. You know, he just, he knew everything <laughs> so intimately. The, what was the product side? Like you're doing branch manager, but you also are having to build you have engineers working on TV and on iOS and Android and so on. What are they doing at the same time? Are they working on the experience? Yeah, so once we knew we were making Bandersnatch, not only did we kick into gear on building Branch Manager, but we also get kicked into gear of what the product experience was going to actually be. Because to date, we had only done it with animation. Charlie and Annabelle wanted a different kind of choice point, that they wanted, um, you know, those cho- the choices appear from the bottom. They come up very cinematically. Yeah, it and became a meme after Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so we had to build all of that. We had to figure out how that worked. We had to build the whole state tracking system of actually, we didn't have that before. We had to build a new um, set of player controls. So, you know, in a normal world, you can fast forward and rewind a yeah. video. In nonlinear storytelling, you don't know what the future is. So where do you fast forward to? So we had to build uh, new playback controls for that. And there was just this long list of things that we had to build 
to actually make the title work. So all the while that's going on, we're building this. Plus there was uh, like there was the phone number choice point in Bandersnatch. It's a very hard one. Right? Very hard thing I learned. Backspace delete button is incredibly important. Uh, but we had to build. That was a new user interface as well. So there's all this stuff. And all the while, like the, the, as Bandersnatch is evolving, we're looking at it being like, oh, we got to build this thing oh, we haven't done this. Talk to Charlie about that. And so there's a lot of so back and forth. It seems to me with all these people working on these detailed, complicated problems, it might start happening what happens in the film where it actually becomes overwhelming to the human mind. Well, did that but- happen to anybody? <laughs> or do you want to talk about it? If it did, did it happen to you, Carla? <laughs> we, I mean, I think we definitely had running jokes of uh, we're probably partially living Bandersnatch. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, no, we're all okay. <laughs> I had phone calls with Annabelle where, where she was definitely feeling like she was being driven crazy. Just because there was so much thought that had to go into every decision and, and locking the film took a lot of work of us holding hands and right. saying, okay, we're we, done. We believe in this. We have to stop tinkering. <laughs> yeah. Part of what's incredibly cool about doing this, and I think it's why we've been approaching and doing this with established and super talented filmmakers is that we don't want them also cutting their teeth and learning the ropes of filmmaking while also attempting to do a branching narrative. Mm. And we want the folks who have mastered the basics and are like, oh, here's this new tool for me to play with. And, and, you know, and I think in this case, if they were learning what Black Mirror is and how to make these films, it would have been a whole other beast. Impossible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Their expertise really led to a lot. And Branch Manager has a cameo in the film. Of the actual program branch manager, the application that's right, that's... appears uh, in one of the finale branches. Yes. I'll, I'll leave it there. I have to say, Carla, uh, I've worked with you for a long time on the earlier interactives, but then was not connected with Bandersnatch and heard the title, and that's all I knew because, of course, it was a small group of people. But I knew everybody really well, and I knew you, and everybody was working on it. So as I watched Bandersnatch for this time, it was a completely overwhelming experience of having that branch manager show up. And like, you know, somebody I knew was just using that recently. It was a really beautiful uh, piece. I, I love the show. I'm very proud of it. And I have to say, Carl, I've got to tell you one thing that I was pessimistic about branching narratives. You recall mm-hmm. that we talked about that I quite do. a bit? Yes, many times. Uh, you, you're right. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to more of them. So let's talk. You mentioned uh, Kimmy Schmidt yeah. um, at some point. So what's the Kimmy Schmidt one? Tell us all the secrets. Uh, well, what I can tell you is uh, is the series finale. It's a special of Kimmy Schmidt, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock and starring... Ellie Kemper and uh, Titus Burgess. The cast we love. The cast we love uh, coming back together for one finale. And the way it happened was Carl and I were collaborating. And I think you were in L.A. We had breakfast one day and I was reading a script or something. And, and you, It was very L.A. It was very L.A. <laughs> in the kitchen. And you came by and you were like, well, what are we doing next? You know, we locked Bandersnatch. We think it's going to work. Who knows? What are we going to do next? And I was like... I don't know. I'll think about it. And then I think I pitched you, like, try, let's yeah. let's try Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You pitched product? I mean, aren't you did. the person that decides on the productions we do? Yeah, but Carla is my partner in all this, so we need to, like, have a meeting of the minds. This is kind of different in, in most sense, right? Because normally the movie theater has no involvement in the people that make the movies, right? So this is different. Why is this different? The interactive product team can't exist without the interactive content team and vice versa, right? Andy could order all the shows he wants, but if we're like, nope, sorry, I can't do this, right? He's, he's out of luck and seems we could build all this stuff. But if they're like, no, we're not, 
we're not, we we're got not nothing doing to that. play on it. Yeah. And, and it's really, though, comes from this place of we have both of those expertise in-house, that we have the technology geniuses who are just extraordinary at creating new systems, and we have the creative talent that are just extraordinary at telling beautiful stories. And so being able to leverage both of those things together, it's really when you put entertainment and technology together, it's it, that's the beauty of this. But I think over Bandersnatch and, and working with Carla and the team, I have a relationship with them and I trust them and I want their point of view on what we're doing because they're working on it as closely as I am. So we'll have meetings with talent and I encourage Carla and her team to join and they're necessary to help answer questions from creators who have out of the box ideas. Can we do this? Can we support this? I can answer up to a point, but Carla and her team are the people who have to execute. We all trust each other, and it's a really amazing relationship that I don't think could happen really to any other company. Uh, it's a unique Netflix thing in that we have we went through Bandersnatch together. <laughs> it survived a war and uh, come out on the other side and really, really have trust with each other. Are the creatives coming up with new ideas that are stretching what the system can do, Carla? It actually goes both ways. There are times... Andy has said, hey, you know, this idea just came up. What do you think? Can we do it? And he he does have a great understanding of, like, what the bounds are sure. now. And so he usually now, it's more often than not, it's like, oh, that's in the realm of, like, yeah, we can probably do that. And same as, like, we've actually thought of mechanics that we've come to them and said, hey, here's this other thing we could do. Can you give an example? Uh, the phone number moment in Bandersnatch was the first time we did that. It was totally worth doing. We're like, let's see what happens. And now we're in a conversation of, well, should we make that more easy to do on future titles? Like, how much do we think puzzles and these kinds of, of number-based things are going to come up? In, and in this, you you're, you can dial the phone right. if you know the numbers. And so you actually have to choose the phone number. Exactly. Okay. And so number-based puzzles is a great way to to create some more intrigue and kind of a a hurdle for the viewer to engage in in the mm -hmm. content. And so we can certainly build that that piece of technology to make it usable across multiple titles. Uh, but it also requires Andy to be like, yeah, I think our, our content creators are into that and are going to want to do that. So that's a great example. And there's a number of ones like that where it's like, well, this is possible from our side, but do you want it? Yeah. And he'll do the same thing where he's like, well, we could tell this kind of story. Do you want it? And it, we go back and forth like that a lot. So it's a partnership even from the creative of what could be done. And then in the phone number moment was originally much more complex. It was more difficult to get it right. And I think in working with the product team, uh, Charlie and Annabelle, I think, rightfully simplified it. So as you're building the system up and adding the phone number support or adding the, the choice points that comes in from the bottom, the gray one coming in, does this get easier to do more and more productions or is it always a challenging engineering task? We are building it so that it is uh, scalable. And so even uh, Carmen San Diego that we're launching, you know, took a couple of engineers, not a lot of time to be able to stand up that title. Whereas, you know, Bandersnatch took a lot of engineers, a lot of months to be able to stand up. So we are, um, we're able to leverage those systems and, and achieve scale in a way that, um, again, just means we can do more of these. Yeah, that's great. Okay. All right. Tell me more about Kimmy Schmidt. I think similar to... Puss in Book and what became Bandersnatch, it was about six, eight weeks before we were launching Bandersnatch and we were all yeah. feeling really good about it. It was like, great, let's pitch Tina and Robert on what we can do. So we flew to New York and pitched Tina Fan Robert Carlock. Here's what, what's possible. Uh, and they pretty quickly came back with a branch manager outline. Yeah, we showed them. We played 
Bandersnatch with them in their conference room in New York. Before it launched. Before it launched. So you keep on using the show you have in the queue to to show the next (laughs) one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, we showed it to them before we launched, um, and they took to it, and they broke an outline with two other writers, Meredith Scardino and Sam Means. And they used uh, the branch manager? They used the branch manager to the entire process, the entire Kimmy Schmidt, soup to nuts, all done through branch manager. And that, I'm assuming, made it a lot easier? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. They enjoyed the process and loved doing it and had fun and came up with some cool new mechanics that we don't want to spoil since it hasn't come out yet. But new stuff that you had to develop for that show? Yes, we've developed new stuff for them. And it's also been really fascinating to see them play with comedic timing in choice. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the first... Well, I guess they, one of the animators was comedy, but yeah. Right, but they're but they're really, they're playing with it on a whole different level. I would say, you know, uh, Tina Fey and Mark Carlick have a comedy style that they've really honed um, through 30 Rock and obviously Saturday Night Live and, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and they had to change it to some degree for interactive. Think about the choice points. You know, if you do their joke-telling style, which is very dense, lots of jokes, rapid fire, while you're trying to read a choice point, the audience will be confused. So they really, you'll... You need breath to make a choice. Yeah, and wait till you see some of the breaths they put in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what are some of the learnings that you've had over doing this for the last few years? What are some places we've fallen on our face or where where have we learned hard? Put a delete button on phone number moments. Backspace. (laughs) Backspace. People make mistakes. (laughs) They want a way to undo their mistakes. I I think uh, the biggest learning we've had... I'll give you one thing that has worked much better than we thought it might and one that was a learning. So huge fear of would adults actually interact, right? So we've got decades of training of when I'm watching TV, I need to snuggle back into the couch and just let it wash over me. And we're asking them to hang on to the remote control. We're asking them to engage, to tap that screen. We saw 94% of viewing viewers making active choices, which is extraordinary. That's great. So we're super happy with that. So that was like, whew, okay, this was not crazy adventure after all. Uh, the thing I'd say we learn most around is really around um, when to introduce failed endings. And I think it's kind of an idea of if we ask the viewer to put in this effort, the payoff has got to be greater than the effort they put in. Mm. You want to talk about the accept-refuse-job example? Yeah, early on in Bandersnatch, there's a accept-refuse-job moment. And if you choose accept, it actually takes you to an automatic fail where... You know, you see he does he releases the game and it's a failure and we automatically respawn you back to where you were so you could choose differently. Um, there is some content change in that moment, but, you know, you don't get the satisfaction of playing out if he if you got to see him accept the job and you don't get to make any choices past that. And we heard from consumers that I wanted to see what happened. I didn't want it to end so quickly. So we've been encouraging our creators to, you know, not have an early fail, like play it out. Use that first act as context setting. Don't fail out your users until they're immersed in the story. Because that choice means they're kind of committed to that that choice. Right. right. And if it's that okay. significant and you automatically fail them out, it feels like they've been dinged. Or, so or like You couldn't have learned that without launching it to a broad audience. No. Like, yeah. that's amazing. And we... Yeah. we, we hid some choices in Kimmy Schmidt. I'll, this is not a big spoiler, but uh, we hid some choices on replay for Kimmy Schmidt to basically the first time through, we want you to try to, to make it to the end so that when you go through again, you're actually, there's some new choices opened up. All I'll say is there's a taco snake Easter egg that if you find, you will love 
but it was one of the hardest things I've ever laughed at. And and our some some of our friends in the product team were like, "This is insane! I can't believe you did this." <laughs> Myself included. Yes. I I, I, this, I can't wait to see the how a taco snake reaction <laughs> yes. comes. I found that happen in our first one too. In in Puss in Book, there's the trout song. I oh, just yeah. love that. And yeah. it's you know you don't see it every time. You got to see it sometimes. Yep. Trout song. Taco snake is. I think kind of hard to find, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that was the other thing that happened with Banner Snatch is people really dug into it and really like figured, try to figure everything out. We, there was a whole us watching what people were, you know, on social media, like, I figured this out. Go try this. And we're like, how'd they find that? Right. It's great. People are making maps. You know, yeah. we did not release a map on our side because we wanted to see the maps that, that viewers created. Some lovely maps. And they're incredible. Yeah. There's a cameo Easter egg in Kimmy Schmidt. Um, I won't say who it is, but if you select a certain choice... You can see a famous singer with a really funny voice. <laughs> well, when I ask him to talk about secrets, he right. does. Okay. But I'm very You're careful. very selective? Yes. Okay, good. Very it feels careful. like you're saying so much. Okay. I'll, I'll relax. What other genres are we thinking about in, in uh, types of storytelling that might fit this? Are there spaces that you're interested in and curious about? We have lots to play with. Horror uh, films is a, is a very fertile place to make choices. You can finally answer the question of, do you go into the basement or not? Right? Oh, yeah. Yell, don't go so into the basement. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, we love those kind of moments. Another one is uh, romantic comedy, which is in, you know, like Kimmy Schmidt, kind of unexpected. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if you're in the point of view of a character, who do you want to go on a date with? Who do you want to follow as your romantic partner? Giving that choice, you know, open it up like Love is Blind or The Bachelor, understanding people love to, vicariously live through these characters and and seeing that with some of these other genres is exciting obviously fantasy science fiction is such an easy place to play and we have we have stuff we're cooking up sounds like we've invested a lot of resources to do this right whole engineering team i was familiar with these people they're amazing people whole bunch of designers creatives why did we decide to do that as a company like sure it's a great show but it could have failed Fundamentally, we're storytellers. Even our, our tech folks you know, love storytelling. And storytelling is all about big adventures and taking big risks and trying new things. In the case of interactive storytelling, we can see a long history of telling these kinds of stories. And we can see creators wanting to tell these stories and consumers wanting to experience these, these stories, but where the technology was never quite ready for them to be able to experience it in mass. And so this seemed like an opportunity for us to take a big swing at something that we had reasonable confidence that consumers would be excited about and creators would be excited about and staying true to ourselves of being experimental and trying new things. It's also something you can only do on Netflix, which is a really exciting proposition for filmmakers because it uses Netflix in a unique way. People are excited because they know that the reach of Netflix is so vast. And, you know, once they kind of go through the process of this, they know that it's possible to do this. And they have seen the reaction that Bandersnatch got and, and some of our other um, kids' animated uh, interactive titles have gotten. So it's gratifying to do it at this large scale. How do you figure out how to work together in this product and creative world? I mean, you're a content executive, right? You get to decide what kind of shows you're, you create films. This is very different. Why did it work? Um, and how did you actually structurally do it? A, a lot of pinging G-chat back and forth <laughs> between Carla and I. A lot of trips to L.A. A lo- and then a few yeah. trips to LG for yeah. me, Los Gatos. Um, I think fundamentally, though, it's about collaboration. Like, we both know what we're good at and have a deep respect for what the other person is good at. 
and we have very complementary skills across uh, product and, and the creative side of things, but also individually. And so we're, we're willing to collaborate because we know the sum of what we can do together is far greater than what we can ever do individually. And I've worked at other companies where it's not just, I mean, product, I've never worked at another company that there's been a product team at, but there's been marketing and all these other places that are other teams that aren't part of the content org. Uh, and there's a lot of like, hey, stay away from the content people. Those are the, those are who we talk to. At Netflix, it's not that in, in, in product or, or marketing. But I said, Carla, this is Charlie Annabelle. Talk to them and email them and discuss things with them. And there was no gate that she had to cross through me. It was an automatic like, oh, you know, you're part of the team. You're doing this with me and all of us. There was never a second thought. The only way this is going to work is if we're all working together, which is how it is on every project at Netflix, but this one especially. Yeah. I think the other piece, too, is the um, broadly across the company is the respect for us experimenting and innovating, right? And the whole product team exists to innovate around new user interfaces and new experiences for the the product. And even when somebody is doing something that you're like, wow, that is crazy. I don't know if I agree. Like you working with us on the interactive side of things, Lyle, and like feeling like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but I'm going to give it my all because at the end of the day, we're going to figure out whether or not this works together. And so that spirit just being throughout the company for us to to be able to link arms and say like, yeah, let's figure this out. And also there's, I mean, the day after it launched, Carla and I emailing and, and pinging each other. Oh my God, people are watching it. It's so exciting. It worked. It worked. Oh it worked. About it. Oh that, my God. Yes. Um, choice one or choice two? Two. What are you watching on Netflix, Carla? <laughs> I am watching Love is Blind. Well, I'm done watching Love is Blind. I could not stop. Uh, I'm getting ready to watch season two of Altered Carbon. That's probably the main... I mean, too, right now. Andy, what about you? What are you watching? I just watched the first two episodes of Ugly Delicious season two from our docs team and uh, Paradise PD season two, which is an animated show, um, which is filthy. It's also funny. Andy and I have very, very different tastes. I can see that. Content. (laughs) (laughs) Have either of you convinced the other of one? We've had some moments. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the beauty of it, too, is we know not everything is going to be for us. Like, that would be a fail if we were only building stories for us. I think that's something you learn as a content executive at Netflix or anywhere. But, you know, you're not making TV or movies for yourself. You're making it for a lot of people. So trying to understand what's the intent and what's the best version of this, even if it doesn't please you, is okay. And it's something that we talk a lot about in Interactive just because, you know, it's a genre, it's a format. It's a genre. Interactive isn't its own genre. We want to put kind of each genre into this, you know, form of storytelling. Yeah. So, and see what comes out. And see what comes out and see how it gets enhanced with and Interactive. It sounds like it's just the beginning. For sure. It is. We have a lot We have a lot of work ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a lot of shows from you, so I really appreciate it. And yet I've already been working on this for five years. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank you both for being here on We Are Netflix. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We Are Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxel. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com. <laughs>